You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello and welcome in to episode 100 of Sound the Foghorn, a very special episode for us and one we think you, the listeners, will enjoy. Brett Marshall joined as always by my pal Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki also joining us today uh, for this very special episode. Our friends from the Soda Pod, we have Isha Hoppy and Spoke Z joining us today. So six of us uh, that will talk at you for the next hour, hour and a half or so here um, about some stuff. But as we always do, we got a lot of people to check in with. We'll start with the Sound the Foghorn, fellas. Zeke, how you doing tonight, my friend, um, on the night of episode 100? Oop, you're muted. Justin, while he figures that out, we'll go to you. <laughs> Sounds good. <clears throat> I'm not muted, am I? No, no you're hear good. me now. <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. No, I'm I'm doing well though. Uh, it's can my busy work busy work week and uh, trying to defrost for my daughter's hockey and doing it all over again tomorrow night for my son's hockey and then Thursday night my son will get to skate in between periods at the varsity game. Uh, it's my one night that night, so just nice. a lot of hockey and, and work right now this week. So, but doing well. Not a bad week to have it when the Wild don't play. Get no, all of the no, way. definitely not. All right, Zeke, now we got the mic figured out. How you doing that, my friend? Yeah, no, no, now that you can actually hear me, I uh, know I'm doing very well. Just, uh, you know, happy to be here with, you know, with everyone. Uh, like you said, episode 100, uh, fairly big milestone for us, so uh, excited to get going. Awesome to hear. Isha, now a fellow, hashtag one of us. Um, last time we did this, you weren't in Minnesota, now you are. Um, so, you know, formal welcome from the podcast, the state of Minnesota. Um, beyond that, how you doing tonight? Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Doing good. Doing good. Excited to uh, talk some prospects. Everyone knows that's my expertise, so excited <laughs> to be here. And Hoppy. Buzzing, boys. Thanks for having us. Love it. Short and sweet. And uh, our good friend Spokesy, last but not least. He doesn't know anything about prospects, by the way. I don't know why he invited him. Yeah, out of my element here, also buzzing, I guess. You know, as I said before, I'm still alive, so I'm ready to rock and roll. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have all you guys here. And as Isha alluded to, and as we've kind of hinted on some previous episodes, uh, this will be kind of a revisit of our uh, off-season podcast where we broke down the top 20 prospects um, and then a few extras um, in the Minnesota Wild organization. On this show, we won't be going quite into that much depth, uh, but the big change that we'll be doing here today, we'll be talking about the biggest risers and fallers in our consensus rankings. So to describe the process, we took our rankings from the summer, re-ranked all of them again here at the midpoint of this season. 
track the biggest change either up or down, and then identified six risers, six fallers that we'll discuss, um, talk about why they maybe have dropped, um, some for legitimate reasons, some for concerning reasons, different things, and then we'll move into the biggest risers and what we've liked and what has caused them to jump. Um, some of these guys from not previously being ranked to, you know, nearing the top 10 and, and some pretty big jumps in there. So some guys are really excited about. But we'll start with, you know, maybe on the bad. We'll maybe start here. The most obvious faller um, and at no fault of his own is Pavel Novak. Uh, was number 14 in our rankings uh, at the over the summer. Has dropped down now to 19 at this point. Um, but really no major fault of his own here. And probably won't spend too much time on this. Obviously had a... Uh, cancer diagnosis and really hasn't played um, at all in the last year or so. But uh, anyone else have any thoughts or feelings on Pavel Novak, uh, who we hope will rise again once hopefully he uh, finds his time back on the ice? Don't really have anything to add to that. It's just hoping that he gets health back and back to hockey here. So. Cancer. Absolutely. Amen to that. All right, well, we'll move on to that. Wish him the best. Um, <clears throat> we'll go next to our biggest faller on this list, and this was someone who came in just outside the top 10 and has now almost dropped out of the top 20, and that is uh, defenseman Ryan O'Rourke, uh, second overall pick by the Wild, someone we thought pretty highly of over this summer um, and has now dropped um, down to 18 um, on our list from previously number 11. So, um Looks like of our group, pretty consensus here. I'm at 17, Zeke at 16, Justin at 16, Spoke Z at 16, Isha at 16, and then Hoppy just a hair higher at 15. Um, so pretty pretty universal looks like thoughts and where he stands in this organization across the board. Um, but I'll leave it open to anyone here who wants to maybe jump in and just talk about maybe what has caused you to bump Ryan O'Rourke down your rankings a little bit. For me, it's just kind of simple. It's like he hasn't adapted to the AHL game as easy as maybe we all hoped so that was just kind of it's not like he's you know gone gone forever and that we should just dismiss him it's just okay he's not adapting as quickly to the pros as maybe we'd hope for a guy who we all thought was you know we all had pretty highly touted yeah and i think you know previously i remember his draft year he seemed to be a guy who was a potential you know late first round pick type of player who you know we we're all pretty excited to have you know early second round like that and i mean obviously you said he's kind of not necessarily struggled but hasn't really seemed or at least haven't heard any notable things uh you know out of him in iowa but i think you know like the, the one thing is i mean as they've said in the athletic with uh, scott wheeler and Corey Promen and those guys have said you think he'll be a guy that'll you know at the very least play nhl games even if it's not you know if, as if you look uh at his box scores and everything not particularly sexy so seven points uh, think, in 40 games this year in iowa for for the youngster i think part of it too for me is just guys that have played so well this season and gone up above him um, and, and even like the addition of sammy walker he wasn't even part of our list last time and yep. you know that that just bumps him down a little bit further uh, plenty of guys uh playing well this season even if they're uh in lower leagues not ahl type but uh, i think that's the part of the biggest reason for me anyone else have any thoughts on ryan o'rourke yeah like justin was just saying for me like the it wasn't really anything that he's doing in iowa that's necessarily been like oh no like this is concerning or oh no i need to drop him down in my rankings it's kind of just other defensemen in the pool right now who really have like making 
who really made a pretty big jump here. Guys like Kyle Masters, Jack Perch having a pretty monster year with St. Cloud. Like, so it's kind of tough also to balance. All right, well, those guys are starting to light it up a little bit here. Obviously, they're going to stand out more from the counting stats. How do you kind of like balance that versus the AHL? Because, again, I actually think Ryan O'Rourke largely has been very good on a lot of nights that I've watched them. It's just, again, he's the type of player who – Never going to put up a ton of offense. He's just going to be steady, reliable. I still think, you know, in terms of, like, upside, you could have a pretty good shutdown second pair, you know, PK guy. Um, so it kind of just comes out to, well, how do you rank prospects? Do you go, like, pure upside? In that case, the upside's not, like, super high, although he could be a very important, very good defenseman on an HL team for a very long time. Um, and, I mean, even, like, I've had a lot of people – Say, well, David Hunt sounds like he's been doing a lot better. It's like, well, actually, it'll work somehow. Sure, but he has one more point than David Hunt has. So, like, so it's kind of just what he does doesn't really necessarily stand out all that much. Again, Iowa's defense on a lot of nights is a complete shit show. They've been playing a lot better lately, but um, again, he just doesn't, he's not, he's not a guy that stands out with the way he plays. And again, the counting stats are never going to be there. So it's kind of hard to justify, put, you know, putting him up in the rankings, especially when guys, like I said, hurt. Masters, other defensemen are really starting to uh, climb. So I actually think he's been good. It's just he's kind of the victim of the way he plays versus other guys putting up big numbers now. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, one player, you know, the, just to kind of think if you want to find someone stylistically is almost like a Jake Middleton. Slightly smaller than Middleton, but Middleton, a guy who plays in the top pair, doesn't really light up the score sheet by any means, but that stay at home, can be physical, plays sound defensively. Um, and I think that's more like kind of what we're seeing Ryan O'Rourke settle into. I think maybe we thought there was the potential to maybe tap into a little more offense that hasn't necessarily translated yet at the AHL, AHL level, um, but still a young defenseman, still plenty of time um, to grow and develop um, his game. So I think another player who probably falls into a similar category as O'Rourke um, and still a young player in his own right as well, Mikey Milne. Um, Assuming here, to um, just a couple of us actually ranked him. He came in 24 for me, 19 for Justin, uh, and then 17 uh, for Spoke Z, previously at 18. So for those of us that did rank him relatively in that same range, um, went unranked by everyone else, so falling outside of their top 20. Um, so a little bit of a dip for him, but again, I, this to me feels like kind of similar to a work where some of these guys um, who we'll talk about on the trending up have just you know had such good seasons that they've, that they've bumped themselves into that top 20, maybe higher upside conversation. But I mean, Milne's another one that looks pretty good too. Um, you know, he missed the first, however many games he played the first game and missed like 10 or 15 or something with an injury. He came back. I think he scored like a couple games in uh, pretty versatile player for that. He features on their PK. He'll be on that second power play unit for him. It kind of, the thing that makes him so good is he can kind of fit in on any line, which is ultimately probably what's going to make him end up being an NHL player at some point here. Obviously, the development where they, they drafted as an overager in what was it, fourth, fifth round, or whatever. Yeah, um, or was it third round for him? Um, you know, it was never going to be a, a fast track to NHL, but again, I think a lot of nights that I watch it, even guys like he kind of reminds me at times with like Damian Giroux, where again, he doesn't really stand out with his points, but like you see flashes there. Um, so again, I think he's been pretty good. He's played like 15 fewer games than everyone else. Um, and I think he's got like seven points or eight points or something like that. But he actually, again, it's just a very similar, um, like drafting strategy where it's a kid that you can play at the wing, you can play at center, you can play him 
you know, at least in the AHL, you can put him in a top six if you need to. Bottom six is probably where he ends up rounding out um, as a pro. But he's played well. Again, it's just he's only played 30 games. He was hurt. Um, and, again, he's probably not a guy that's going to put up tons and tons of points. But um, I think, again, he's actually been pretty solid, especially lately when Iowa's been playing well here the last month or so. Yeah, I think one thing that really hurts him, too, that stands out on the roster is he's only one of two BC natives. So, naturally, he's going to be a little bit softer, and I know the AHL can be more of a grinding game. So, just a little bit tougher for him. To... For that. I was waiting for that. <laughs> Fucking Abbott, dude. Uh, the biggest reason I had him unranked, so. Fair, fair. Um, the next guy we'll go to, um, probably should have bu- bucketed him in a little with Pavel Novak, is Sam Hentges. Um, missed a majority of this season uh, with an injury. I believe recently came back like less than a uh-huh. week ago um, back in the Iowa lineup and I think has already started producing again. Um, but this was a guy that previously for us was at 15. Um, and I think just to the sheer fact um, that he hasn't played this year, it's hard to figure out where exactly he fit in. Um, so falling just outside the top 20 um, for me at 21 and then unranked for everyone else. So again, just outside that top 20 range. Um, but outside of maybe the injuries or any other concerns for anyone else on um, Sam Hentges um, falling out of the top 20. No, I mean, I finally got the AHL package like I was talking before we started, and I was able to watch the game last night. He looks quick. I mean, he looks like he'd be a good player, but it's just the, the kind of the injuries. It's Even at before St. Cloud and then St. Cloud now, it's just he has a hard time staying healthy. He could be a good player. It's just that's my biggest concern. Just a tiny sample size. Again, he's a kid. I think he played the first game and got hurt. And now he's, I think he's played six games now. But again, the skating's good. And generally, when he is healthy, he's kind of a kid that's been able to fit in and produce wherever he is. So there's not really one thing that stands out about him that's like, this is his ticket to the NHL. He's kind of just more or less a somewhat of a well-rounded player. But the sample size right now is just too small to really to really tell. I think he's already hit like a couple posts in a couple games that I've seen from him. But um you know, I think the last two games that I saw from Iowa, he stood out somewhat, um, which is all you can really ask for for a kid that missed so much time. So we'll see, you know, as the sample size grows, if he can start to produce a little bit. Uh, but again, just the injury has really killed the start of the season, um, obviously. But, you know, he's back now and playing a fairly prominent role. So we'll see how it goes for him. Yeah, I think the other, the other thing for me that bumps him down ever so slightly, um, he is now 23, so one of the older players in this group. Um, and again, it's just at this point now – it's like going to be really big for me this second half as long as he stays healthy is what can he do? You know, being one of these older players on an AHL team, I'm at age 23. You know, a lot of these guys in this group, 19, 20, 21 years old. So, you know, anywhere from four to two years on this group, um, you'd really like to see him start, you know, kind of taking over maybe some of those games being a little more productive. So um, definitely someone to watch in the second half, I think, considering we only um, he was injured on, um, as he mentioned, the uh, first game of the season. So that was back on um, October 14th and then returned to the lineup on January 20th. So 11 days ago um, and has played in the five games since then. Um, in that time, four shots on goal, four penalty minutes, um, nothing on the score sheet so far. I'm not sure what line he's playing on, um, but um, definitely a second half to watch. Happy to have something to add there. I really just uh... – to kind of echo what Baki and Z said earlier about O'Rourke, like there are other guys that have kind of popped out of nowhere. We've got Sammy Walker. We've got you know, Tan jumping up and getting some spot looks with the Wild. It's just harder to find a path for him to get in. Mm-hmm. Like everyone said, like he's well-rounded and like, sure, he's a guy that could get spot starts, but 
he's already got quite a few people he's got to try and pass after all the injury issues. So just makes it a lot tougher for him to get that road up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to, I think we just have two more players here to chat about um, as kind of fallers. Um, and that'll be two of our NCAA players in Ryan Healy um, and Rieger Lorenz. Healy, um, before this season at 16, um, ranked by two of us, dropped to 20 for me, 22 for Justin, and then Lorenz um, at the summer rank was at 17, has now dropped down to 19, 18 for Z, 20 each for Isha and Justin, 19 for me, um, unranked by Zeke and Hoppy. So, a um, couple NCA guys, I believe it's uh, Lorenz, who's been seeing primarily fourth. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago in Sound the Foghorn. A lot of fourth line minutes on a pretty stacked Denver team as a freshman. Um, it's not necessarily a knock on him, more speaking to the depth of Denver. Um, but again, you know, for those higher drafted prospects, you'd hope, you know, as a freshman, maybe you'd be able to puncture maybe the top nine a little bit more than he has. We can start there with uh, Riga Lorenz if anyone has some additional thoughts on him. No, it's just echoing what you said. I mean, he was a really good player in the AJHL, and he's just Denver's stacked at the top six. So uh, we'll see what he does. Uh, like once some of these uh, other guys are, you know, gone. But uh, I think that's the biggest thing is he's just stuck on the fourth line. I think it'll come as his role expands. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a really good Denver team. I still love him. Like. Uh... I don't know, it's just his, the way he plays, like, when he's given the opportunity, obviously, like, if, like you guys said, he's a Denver, he's a, he's a true freshman, like, he's, he's very, very young on a, on a loaded team. Um, he was another, cause I think he actually briefly got hurt in his couple games, and he got scratched a couple games, but the last, like, handful, he's actually been playing a little bit more, um, you know, starting to feel comfortable and actually using the shot that he has, which is a true weapon. And then, you know, a couple of games ago, we went on like a three or four game point streak, goal assist. And now they're playing teams like St. Cloud. And like, so now he's back to playing like very few minutes. But this won't really be the year for him to pop. I'll be curious to see because Mazer is going to be gone after this year. A um, couple other guys up front that he'll be given a little bit more of an opportunity because when he has been used in their top six, um, he's generally very noticeable. I've noticed him in the defensive zone as well. Like, um, you know, get a little bit more physical, looking more comfortable. Obviously, a long way to go. Um, and again, a lot of this is just him being on a team like Denver that's going for that national championship. It already has, you know, a handful of drafted guys, high-end drafted guys. Um, he's kind of just trying to find his way now. So I still love Lorenz, and I'm curious to see what, you know, the rest of the season into the Frozen Four looks like and, and what next year. Because, I mean, again, this isn't a kid that you're going to be seeing in Iowa for a little bit here. Um, or certainly the NHL, but, um, you know, I still see flashes where, you know, you think there it is, like, that's why they drafted him. Um, they're just few and far between right now, and part of that's just him not probably being super comfortable in his role yet and still trying to adapt, but still love Lorenz, but I had to just ding him a little bit, um, you know, just given the fact that, like, eight points in however many games now, 20-something. Um, but I still love the player, and I think very highly of him, for sure. And then we can flip it over as well here to Rieger Lorenz. Or, sorry, Ryan Healy, um, defenseman. I guess for me, I haven't seen enough of him. I know he had a good development camp, but there's so many defensemen above him that it's just where I slotted him at. Same thing. Like, that Harvard team is so loaded. Um, I think, like, four or five of their defensemen have drafted. 
um, and are high, high-end prospects. I think right now they got. I think they're still top ten in the country. You know, and he's it's weird. There are some games where they'll use him on a top pair first power play. He looks really good. You know, he's made a few really costly mistakes the last couple of weeks. Like I think I literally was pumping his tires last time me and Hoppy did a podcast. In literally the next two games, he had like two horrific turnovers in his own blue line, just trying to dance on the power play, and they gave up shorties both times. So then, like you know, obviously gets dinged for that, but uh, you still see the flashes where he's just dancing and like going for. You know, solo exits, uh, looking super dangerous in the offensive zone as a defenseman. Again, like he's an undersized, somewhat guy um, who you know you look at your profile as an offensive defenseman. But in terms of like how effective he is defensively, a lot of that's like off the rush. Like he kills plays very well, very good backward skating. Like so, I still really, really think highly of him as well. Again, it's just a, he's in a prospect pool first of all that's loaded with high end defensemen. He's playing in a top ten in the country team right now, college hockey. Um, you know, not getting as many opportunities as, you know, he probably would elsewhere. But again, next year he should with, with a couple of different guys and be graduating and moving on. And he already does see, you know, the occasional game where, like I said, he's on that first pair, second pair for a power play uh, on the ice late in close games. Like, so I still, again, like, it's just kind of a false victim to, you know, just where he is, what team he's on and, and kind of role that he's up and down with. So, definitely a kid to keep an eye on because again like when he is on like he is an electric factory he's so fun to watch and uh it's just again like some some games look super comfortable and super confident other times he'll make a mistake and he'll go into a shell for a little bit but that's every young defenseman so we'll see how he goes yeah five other defensemen on that harvard roster who are nhl drafted all of them either 02 or 01 birthdays um sort of 20 21 years old healy the lone 18 year old on the entire roster um, I want to just um, looks like the one of two 2004 birthdays. So really young player. So I think the fact that he's, you know, getting some opportunity even among um, a pretty stacked group there, um, encouraging signs. So um, I think, again, more of a victim here of just some more talent in front of him, not necessarily a knock on the talent. Um, I think he's someone to maybe look at um, him and Re- him and Regal Lorenz, I think, as people that we could be talking about um, on this show next year as guys who maybe have, have jumped up. Um, similar to some of these other players. Well, it, it's funny, Brett, because like literally, like it was either the last Judd's Buds episode or the one before. Like those are the two guys that Hoppy and Z were like talking about for like a good segment. And Z was saying like echoing the exact same things. Like when they're on, they're on. When they're utilized more, like they're they're awesome. It's just we just have to see them more. They're they're down the lineup. Yeah, so we'll definitely keep an eye on that as we head into the next calendar year. Um, that kind of covered, you know, the players that, you know, we could consensus had dropped. Is there anyone else, um, that you five, you know, kind of looking at have dropped for you that we didn't talk about that you wanted to hit on, um, at all before we jump into the players that have risen the most in our rankings? Not for me. Where's Kovanov hiding these days? Uh, I don't I honestly forgot that guy existed. I don't even know what he's doing nowadays. Is he stuck in Quebec or back he's home? Shake Shack. He's <laughs> actually the new Burger King spokesman. Whopper, oh, God. Whopper, I finally whopper, had that. Just stop, stop it. I was just going to say, I finally, like, for a second, didn't have that stupid jingle in my head. God damn. Take another sip of the green party, baby. Bad. <laughs> 
All right, well, let's move next into the really the more, the more encouraging piece of this, um, and that is the risers. Um, and the reason this show became so necessary, more or less, is because we had so many players who have been risers um, for us this year, players that we've talked about probably weekly here on Sound the Foghorn, seemingly on the score sheet every week. Um, but we'll start with a player who we didn't talk about at all in the summer show because he wasn't really a part of this prospect pool. Um, we've seen him get a taste of the NHL. He's played six games um, and is currently the rookie scoring leader in the AHL, and that is Sammy Walker, um, who came in obviously not ranked by us last year because he wasn't in the system, um, and now pretty much a consensus top ten across the board. Um, eighth overall with getting eight ranks across the board from me, Zeke, and Justin, seven from Isha, ten from Spokesy, and 11 from Hoppy. Um, that comes out to a median rank of eight and a power rank of eight as well. So now a top 10 player in this system, a guy who a lot of fans have been clamoring to see back in the Minnesota Wild lineup. Um, but we can start there with Sammy Walker, who is having a no doubt impressive season um, with the Iowa Wild. Uh, 19 goals, 18 assists, 35 games. Uh, so over a point per game. And then I think just the one, I think it's an empty net goal. Um, with the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean we got to start with a quick shout out to all the donkeys out there that said that was the dumbest signing in the world. <laughs> Bunch of losers. Um, and only, only, reason I've, only reason I've got him a little lower than you guys, which I still like really like what I've seen from him. I want to see what he does not sitting shotgun to Boldy because yeah. I would imagine by the time he maybe works his way up to playing more of a full-time role, it's going to be in the bottom six. Like, hopefully we've found someone better to stick alongside Boldy. But, I mean, by and large, loved what I've seen from him. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the biggest – obviously the biggest thing is that uh, just the, you know, pretty dominant offensive numbers in Iowa. I mean, he was a good college player, uh, you know, from, you know, just looking at his score sheet and watching him the last four years. But it didn't seem like, at least to me, that he never, you know, ever seemed to consistently – you know, dominate at that level or, you know, necessarily put up the amount of numbers and points and goals that you would have thought a guy with his skill did. And the fact that he's came in as a pro into a tough league there and, uh, and you know, scored at the rate that he has uh, is pretty impressive. And obviously, you know, it's not like he's just on a shooting percentage bender, it's on a hot streak or whatever. You know, obviously the Wild think a lot of him now. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just had a really good year. Well, he's a guy also that like, and it's proven you can call up to the show and you don't have to force a guy like Rossi into the NHL lineup, you know, for necessity, you know, for the wild's sake, it's like bring up a guy who's also on a heater in the AHL. who's also has a lot of confidence right now, get some reps with him. So we don't spoil any more of Rossi's development. Not that like one or two more games in the national hockey league would, but like you see all these crazy fans right now who are like, bring him up. It's time for him to, to be in you know, full time. He's going to save the wild. It's just like, you know, guys like chill, chill out. You got some other guys you can give reps for who are just as deserving and like let let the kid continue to marinate, let him grow. And it's a good problem. I wouldn't even call it a problem. It's a good thing to have when you have a guy like Sammy Walker and and other forwards that you can and, you know, like Beckman, for example, you can bring up into the lineup in a pinch who like deserve it just as much at this point and uh, and still make the wild Twitter squirm, which is just so much fun to watch. <laughs> I don't know when they don't squirm, but uh, yeah, it's. Buddy, I'm from I, like I'm from Vancouver. You guys don't even know. You guys don't even know. <laughs> like, I've had to mute, like, a, 
quick shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lose yeah. the, the rights to Sammy Walker and decide, you know what, let's just do Tampa Bay Lightning things and pick up Nick Perbix and turn him into an absolute monster. Yeah, I, I mean, Walker's – his skating and stick handling was evident, but right now he's leading all rookies in points in the AHL, and he's also on pace to absolutely shatter uh, Rossi's rookie record of points for Iowa too. I think he had 53 the year he took that, and then – uh, Sammy Walker's on pace for 68 points right now. Uh, just he's played so well. He, he... yeah, and, and those he who... wasn't from Edina. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, and those who may want to hold that against Rossi, um, Rossi did that as like a 19 year old. Um, right. Sammy yeah. Walker doing this as a 23 year old. So big, big difference in age. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Which... But Rossi played in the OHL, Canada's <laughs> Hockey League. You know, not. Yeah. Uh... But again, I think that just goes to show too. I mean, you know, if Marco Rossi was in this age twenty three, people would be clamoring to have him up here too. So Rossi in his own right, um, having um, a good season as well, and not someone obviously we talked about in the fallers, still a consensus top three prospect for us there. Um, anything else on um, Sammy Walker before we move on to uh, the next guy on this list? All right. Well, the next guy we're going to go to on this list, speaking of rookie scoring records, let's go to Murat Kuznadinov, who is having a historic season um, for SKA St. Petersburg um, in the KHL, up now to 32 points in 56 games, nine goals, 23 assists. Um, at our midseason or our uh, offseason ranks coming in at seven, um, has now jumped all the way up to number four um, on this list, four by uh, myself, Zeke. And spoke Z six on Hoppy's list, seven on Justin's list, and then five on Isha's list. Um, but a guy who has no doubt impressed and someone that we are excited um, to see over North America, hopefully sooner uh, rather than later. I believe one more year left um, on that contract with SKA. I honestly think I would now say he's higher than seven. I did this list kind of quick and. <laughs> They're kind of hard past the top three uh, in certain points for me. Uh, I was I just did it quickly, but no, he's having a great season. He's getting top six minutes. Of course, power play penalty kill, really good five versus five, and he just became by a month the youngest player in SKA history to reach fifty points. I believe Krill Marchenko was the one before him, but mm-hmm. having a solid see the guy in Columbus that has like thirteen goals minutes. and no assists. Is that yeah. yeah, that's a rock star. <laughs> Well, he's just having a really good season over there, finally getting uh, top six minutes and not, you know, after he signed that contract. <laughs> yeah, that's the bummer, right? That's the blueprint. We can pretty much expect the same to happen for Yurov at this point. I don't know, Z. When's the last time he played? Yurov was on the second line today. Hey, there we go. I don't know what the fuck that's. Sorry. Well, I can't remember if I can swear here, but like, oh, yeah, I don't absolutely. Know what the go fuck they're doing in our show with fucking Europe. I could go off on that. Shit. I, uh, I joked on Twitter that they're that's, just, they just flip a coin before the start of the game if it's heads he plays. Uh, and if it's tails, he doesn't. And they actually might do that on a period-to-period basis, too. Yeah, I mean, he goes from the KHL to the MHL to the fourth line to extra forward to the second line. Just in a span of two weeks. Yeah. Like, it makes no fucking right. sense. Like, I'm going to choke that fucking coach on his way down. Sorry for derailing the who's in D not bad. Yeah, it had to happen eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways. Uh, yeah, who's in D On who's in D Yeah, who's in D Like, I think the thing that's been the most impressive aside from, like, yeah, he's putting up all the points now. Obviously, being, you know, used in the, the top six role. First of all, like he's doing it whether he's a center, whether he's on the wing. Uh, the face-off numbers 
probably have taken a little bit of a dip recently. He's been playing a lot more wing though. Um, but he's just incredibly versatile. But like at the same time, he's not sacrificing anything in the back end either. Like just such an incredible defensive forward. A lot of it utilizing that skating ability. Like he's an elite, elite skater. And you're talking about a kid now that he's five foot nine, like a like five foot nine, and that's probably generous. If I'm being completely honest. Five foot nine, standing on a phone book. Literally, and he's 165 pounds, like soaking wet. And you know he's going up against other teams' top lines and like legitimately shutting them down. This year, especially now that he's more comfortable offensively, he's getting to the inside ice. Like you look at not, he's got nine goals. I want to say like six of them are in the paint, like just battling for pucks, like so. He's just overcoming a lot in terms of just, like, the, the profile player he is. And, like, he's been through a lot just this season, too, where he comes in, he has a letter. He, out of nowhere, for no reason whatsoever, gets stripped of his A, gets benched, like, gets scratched three games in a row. Then he comes back as the extra skater, and then just for whatever reason, they decide to play him a lot again, and he starts producing, like, a point-per-game clip out of nowhere. Um, and, again, like, he's probably their most used forwards in all situations, He's right now like everyone. We all want to see him over here this year, and like, but the thing is, you know, he's what 20, 21 years old now. The prime development years are going to be playing in probably the second or third best league in the world. So I don't really think it's going to take a whole lot of time for him to adjust the North American game. I'll be curious to see what he does look like when he does come over. Uh, but now he's going to hold a year over there to continue doing this, being using their top six, like. He's so good. Like he's just like every area of the game. And again, I just love that this year, especially, he's like shown a little bit more uh, playmaking than he has in the past. I'd still like to see him uh, shoot a little bit more. The shot's not great, but I'd just like to see him become a little bit more of a dual threat. And I think that would help him out with his offensive numbers too. Even though he's putting up pretty decent numbers right now, obviously. But um, he's a completely different player. Obviously, a lot of that's the confidence and just being used, but. He's just kind of shown a lot more facets to his game in the offensive, um, you know, on the offensive side of the game, and again, not sacrificing anything defensively. So, like for me, I just don't see a kid that doesn't ultimately translate, whether he's a center, whether he's a wing in the National Hockey League, and um, I don't really think he's that far off from, um, you know, being ready for uh, for the NHL. So I love who's a D on the like he's at four, um, and I was flirting with putting him at three just because forward versus defenseman, but um, I just couldn't put him over favor. Yeah, I was very very similar thought process for me, um, and well, I'll be interested to see. I mean, it obviously depends on probably what the NHL roster looks like uh, when he arrives. But I think, like you said, I think he's someone that could be, um, you know, in a in a similar light to Kaprizov, potentially be NHL ready um, when he does come over finally to the states. Um, <clears throat> but you know, exciting nonetheless. Still, just 20 years old, having a really awesome year. Um, among some of the names of that have had his type of point production at that age in the KHL. Um, so pretty good company, Vladimir Tarasenko, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Kirill Kaprizov, Pavel Bushnevich, Chemi Panarin, um, <clears throat> Kirill Marchenko, as you mentioned, you're like, these are all guys that, you know, not only been stars, you know, have been in the NHL, but have been stars at the NHL level. So I'm um, a guy, I think, with legitimate top six up, upside. Um, despite me being a smaller player, but incredible speed, which is obviously something, you know, I don't think the Wild have a ton of at this point, so I'd be able to get someone in with the flexibility to play the center or the wing to be fast, to have that playmaking ability. Um, you know, maybe someone that fits with Kaprizov down the line or something along those lines. So um, definitely a player I'm really excited about and, you know, seeing his success, you know, wondering what it could be 
um, if he'd been given kind of this opportunity he's had now the whole year. Um, but definitely someone, um, you know, excited to see what he does um, come KHL playoff time as well, which I think should be coming up here in the next month and a half or so, I think. I think they have somewhere between like 8 to 10 games left in the regular season. So, uh, Let's see. Next up on this list, um, you know, a lot of guys who I think um, have been talked about at length um, on both shows on Twitter. Um, there's, you know, kind of a group of four of them here that we can, you know, we can kind of talk about them together as, you know, kind of collectively have risen together. Um, I think we'll have to start here for a guy that we didn't really rank um, very high in the offseason, and that's David Spacek. Um, was a staple for um, his team at the World Juniors. Um, didn't even crack our list. Like, I don't think I don't think any of us ranked him at all uh, <laughs> coming out of the draft. Um, and now coming into uh, this ranking, um, comes in overall power ranked at 17, 14 by myself, 17 by Zeke, um, 12 for both Justin and Isha, 17 for Hoppy, um, and 20 for Spoke Z, someone who Michael Russo has reported will um, likely sign with the Iowa Wild following his um, junior season, um, but has really just burst onto the scene, been a huge piece um, of his team in the QMJHL. Um, really pleasant surprise. Not someone I really had on my radar, but you know the points just kept coming, and then we saw a really great performance from him at the World Juniors. Um, hard to overlook someone now. 30 points in 37 games um, <clears throat> with the Sherbrooke Phoenix. So David Spacek, the uh, the next of our risers, if anyone wants to jump in here. Like I, I wasn't sold on him in the queue because I never really am with anyone who puts up a ton of points, and you know, admittedly, don't watch enough queue games to give like a. a, a super good analysis which is why like i didn't even think about him going into the season at all when we talked about him or when we had we were on the show last uh last time but this is mostly if not all coming from his world junior performance from me anyways which is why i guess like take my ranking with the greatest salt compared to z and some of these other guys but justin at least you can see great greatness we're, we're there together because he he blew me away in the world juniors i I don't want to say he was even close to the best player because, like, hello, Canada's team and Bedard and all that stuff. But as far as someone who, like, I did not expect to just, like, run the fucking show when he was on the ice, he did everything. And he literally, like, I, Z, you probably know the amount of, like, minutes he was on the ice more than I do, but it seemed like he was there all the time, whether it was power play, whether it was PK, and he was also a force in getting a lot of minutes five on five. And, again, for being, like, one of the younger guys with his dinky looking cage i mean man he was so good and one of the most noticeable play noticeable players for me outside of the big names in the entire tournament again like canada side their whole roster were big names but like compared to everybody else like he he surprised like pleasantly surprised me the most and like the fact that he's a wild prospect which is icing on the cake i mean the fact that the people at the world juniors tournament said that he had a better tournament than you're a check oh i need to know Here's the shut, best defense in the uh, tournament. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> not not bad for a that? for a fifth round pick to by his team standards outperform a first round pick. <laughs> Z's gonna punch me. <laughs> he was right through the screen. <laughs> him and Yurich were they playing on the same pair? No, I think he he was playing with Svozel. Svozel, who also had a who also three. somehow didn't get player top three player on the team yeah but all, uh, all three of them had really really nice tournaments i thought yeah and like and with the world juniors too 
um, you know, I was said like the team, the big surprise team should be Czechia for no other reason. Their back end is absolutely loaded, and they've had a, one of the better goaltenders in the tournament. And obviously, that showed like not only were they very good defensively, they put up a ton of numbers. They like were some of their leading point getters. Um, I like Spotcheck a lot. Again, you kind of have to take any Q production with a grain of salt. Um, for me, like, I'm kind of curious to see how he continues to develop. I think it's a good decision for him to go to Iowa after this season. Um, you know, the thing with his offense, he's just super reliant on the power play right now. Like, I think he's got seven goals. I'll take five of them on the power play. One of them might be an empty net that was, like, a very funny, like, off the glass, off the wall, somehow end up in the net. Um but you do see flashes where, like, his skating still confuses the shit out of me, where there are times where he's keeping up with some of the best skaters in the QMJHL and shutting them down. Other times he, like, just gets completely turnstiled, like, out of nowhere by subpar skaters. So, for me, he's just very up and down. The, again, the offense is just very reliant on the power play, so I'd like to see a little bit more even strength. Um, production and... This decision making still has a has a little ways to go here. Sometimes you know he's like old work where he's getting the puck from point A to point B, um, you know one pass and, and doing all the work that way. Other times he's liable to some extremely ugly turnover, just like absolute pizzas up the middle. So when he's on and he's good, like he's not the world juniors, he's an absolute stud. You can see the other side of the coin too. It's like, uh oh, that's why he got drafted an overager, and that's why he got taken in the fifth round. But the tools are there, so I think there's a lot to work with, and I think there's a path for him to becoming a very good NHL player, probably second power play unit guy. Like, you know, again, mostly offensive, but you know, there's enough defensive prowess there that, like, again, you see it in flashes. I just need to see a little bit more consistent just for me to get as excited as everybody else about the prospect. But again, like. He's also got the lineage, so that helps too. Um, for a guy that played a long time in the NHL, so definitely what I'll be keeping, you know, tabs on as his uh, as career grows. But um, you know, the early returns have been very good. So all in all, like solid, solid pick. It looks like so far, a guy that should end up taking the NHL at some point here. Yeah, and one thing that will likely play into his favor, as will um, with this next player that we talk about, a right-shot defenseman among a pretty dense pool of left shots for the Wild. So um, definitely someone whose stock has risen, no doubt. Um, but we'll stick with the blue line here, talk about another defenseman, right shot, um, who's had an unbelievable year, I think, catching a lot of us off guard, maybe aside from Spokesy, who um, has been tooting this guy's horn for years, and that's um, Kyle Masters, um, who has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, for the Kamloops Blazers this year. The change in scenery from Red Deer to Kamloops seems to be night and day for him. Um, eight goals, 35 assists, 43 points, and a plus nine rating um, on the year for Kamloops. His previous high was uh, three goals, 11 assists, 14 points um, in 65 games last year with Red Deer. Um, just absolutely exploding onto the scene offensively. Um, part of that may be due to an absolutely loaded Kamloops Blazers team who looks primed to make a run to the Memorial Cup as one of Canada's best junior teams. Um uh, Caden Banker, who we'll talk about here in a minute, a part of that team. Um, they just acquired um, uh, Olin Zellweger, I believe. Yeah, right? Stan Coven's on that team, yeah, too. Yeah, Logan Stan Coven, who I still wish the Wild would have drafted um, on that team. So very talented, but a guy who up until the recent um, acquisition of another high-end blue liner was being heavily leaned on on the top pair. I think we've discussed he's since been dropped on the second pair. Um, but, you know, over a point per game um, on the blue line, seemingly out of nowhere. 
um, and has absolutely shot up our rankings. Another guy um, <clears throat> previously unranked by us, um, now across the board up to our consensus at 16, um, ranked as high as 10 by Justin, um, lowest is 18, Isha. Um, the rest of us somewhere between mostly in that 12 to 15 range. So quite the jump um, to come from pretty much nowhere um, to now being a, a top, you know, borderline top 15 uh, prospect, especially, you know, you know, a guy that is, you know, now superseded someone like Ryan O'Rourke um, by many of our standards. Yeah, just, I mean, that Red Deer team he was on was so weird. Like none of the defenders produced, but they had just like hundred point players up front. So I, I, maybe just a different like system to help him out, and he just like had the talent overall. Because it's crazy. I just brought up Red Deer. I was like, I wonder if they sucked. And I was like, no, the team did good, but like they just had so many like heavy offensive guys, and literally like the defense didn't produce. Yeah, right, the call's gonna cut here, so I'll uh, I'll get a new link sent out. We can keep up the discussion. Moving along at a good pace. So I was hoping for yeah. <laughs> Just Hoppy and Zeke. There's Zeke. And there's Hoppy. All right, and we can just uh, jump back in. <clears throat> yeah, Isha, good point. And, you know, maybe it is just a system thing, you know, if, if you know, yeah, because, you know, Red Deer, a, a playoff team last year, comes into Kamloops and seemingly different player. It's hard to know, but I don't really care the reason. It's just been really good to see him absolutely explode. I mean, he's he was a good defense player, but it's good to see him uh, adding offense to that. Yeah, it might be Kamloops, but he's already got three times as many points this year as he did last year and still a uh, decent amount of season to go. Getting used on the power play, penalty kill, of course, five versus five. Uh, was first pairing, but recently been dropped down a bit like Bank here just because some of these trades. Uh, getting Zellweger, just really good Kamloops team, but it's it's awesome to see Masters take that jump in points and, and have that offense to his game. My brain is still a little bit in a pretzel because now that I've recorded a couple of the latest Judd's Buds with Z and I'm getting <laughs> inside of his brain a little bit, when you said going into one that Z's been pounding the drum for, it's like the three guys that are left are like the ones that he's banged for the hardest. So like I still haven't even 
can fully come around to the fact that we're talking about Kyle Masters right now. <laughs> we are, baby. We are. Go off, King. Spoke Z's been the Kyle Masters stand the whole time, so trust Spoke Z and what he says. He's yeah, because you were you were beating this drum off. before he came to Kamloops. I think even over the summer, um, he was someone that you kind of you know you wanted to talk about as an honorable mention. Um, so we'll give it over to you and just kind of what you've seen in terms of what you believed in and maybe what's even evolved um, from what you've previously liked. Yeah, like part of what I was saying forever about him specifically was like, please, for the love of God, let him get traded out of Red Deer. Like, um, it it's interesting, too, because like obviously in Red Deer, he was not used whatsoever on the power play. But if you look at like, how you define like offense in terms of underlying numbers and micro stats. He was the best offensive defenseman in the CHL in terms of transition exits, like, um, you know, creating optimal scoring uh, chances for his teammates, like shot assists, all that stuff. Like he was right at the top. He's like the 99th percentile in every single fucking category. The only thing he didn't do was actually produce the offense. Part of that's the shot isn't great this year. It's taken <laughs> quite the leap too. like I've seen a couple just like absolute darts of the power play he's obviously being used on the power play now and he's playing like 25 26 minutes a night even since Zellweger's come over I think it's been like seven games he's got like three or four points which isn't huge but at the same time if you factor in what he was putting up last year like points per game that's still like double the production he's just a stud like in the way the NHL is going um and how you kind of define like a very good modern day defenseman. So much of it is the transition game and like the skating ability, um, his ability to evade four checkers, like, and also defensively, he is a menace. Like he's not the biggest kid in the world, but he absolutely kills guys. Like, so rush defense in zone defending is where he probably like in zone defending is probably where it gets himself in a little bit of trouble. Once the play really slows down, he's still a kid that like when he's at his best, it's, it's in movement in motion, but that's also what makes him so good. So, I just see a kid that like his game generally just translates so well to the next level. And I think this year he's kind of just breaking out obviously with the points, but just being used the way that he should be. Cause again, a lot of what he was doing in red deer was a lot of the heavy lifting, even for like the forwards where I've said it before, like he's a four, if you're a forward, like Kyle Bass the back end is like, it's like your wet dream. <laughs> like fucking this kid's going to do all of the work. You don't even have to really step into your own zone. He's going to win the puck back. And then he'll lug the mail or he'll find you with an outlet pass. So I still would like to see him use the skating and like a little bit more lateral mobility in the offensive zone. Like he still gets himself in like that death corner where the blue line meets the wall. And he'll kind of like chuck a hopeful shot and hope it's a couple of bodies and ends up on net. Um, but I've seen a break away from that a little bit too, where he is kind of dancing along the blue line. And he's making generally really good decisions um, as well, where he's not playing super risky. So it really comes down to the points are now there. He's probably sacrificed a little bit defensively now, but that's just, again, it's part of cam loops where they can give up four. They'll probably still win. Um, and now that Zellweg is there, obviously his usage of the power play is going to go down a little bit. But um, like you said, I've been pounding the goddamn table for this kid for so long. Cause he's just so fun to watch. And he's just an absolute stud. And it's just nice this year that like now he's getting the recognition. Now he's getting the usage. He's being used how he should be. And now you're seeing the results. So, um, you know, again, it's still going to be like a long, long path to the NHL, but I do think he ultimately makes it and makes himself a very, very good, useful, um, 
you know, three zone defenseman. So lots to like about the kid. And um, again, like you said, this year, it's, it's the production that he's like almost quadrupled his points. So yeah, hard to complain. Yeah. I- insane. Just another chip that the wild have in their chamber of defense prospects. Um, which screams to me at some point, one of these guys that we've probably talked about today, whether it's O'Rourke or Spacek or Masters or um, Peart or Hunt, some one of the not all these guys are going to be able to play. Um, but you know, it's great to see all of them kind of driving their own value up, um, maybe even higher than their perceived value. I mean, we're talking about guys that were fourth, fifth round picks that you know now we're maybe playing more like a you know second, late first round defense prospects so pretty exciting um the next player that we will talk about here we'll talk about his teammate in Kamloops um and a player who's probably gotten the most recognition um both from the national and local media in terms of prospects rising up the boards this year uh Caden Bankier um last year came in um 23 um on our list now coming in at 13 um 16 for myself 11 for Zeke 13 for Justin uh 17 for Isha 13 for Hoppy uh, 12 first Boxy. So quite the jump for him. Um, rewarded with a spot on Team Canada's World Junior Team. Always a tough team to crack. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's a testament too. I mean, it's just almost it's screwed almost like a Dean Evison situation of this guy who, you know, has forever kind of been this top six, very offensive player, but has learned kind of the defensive game and because of that, some of that grit and that effort um, was a big reason it sounded like Canada decided to bring him in, stick him on their fourth line as it was a guy they felt could play as a role player in addition to that, but um, also the top scoring prospect um, currently for the Wild system. 45 points, 22 goals, 23 assists, um, four cam loops in just 32 games played. That's a 1.41 points per game rate uh, for those counting at home. So not a lot of holes to poke in his game and for what he's done this year, but uh, we'd love to get some additional thoughts um, on probably our biggest riser um, in this group um, in Caden Bankier. Well, I mean, I think, you know, like Zeke mentioned, Brett, the biggest thing obviously this year is, uh, you know, making a Team Canada for the World Junior Championships. Obviously, like a very hard team to make. Obviously, everyone, it's Canada, so we don't need to explain much there. So, that you know, that's, you know, an achievement in its own to make it on that team. And obviously, like you said, he's had a really good year, 22 goals, 32 games, uh, you know, on a, on a pretty good team over there as well. So, you, you know, just really another guy who, like you said, has just jumped up. His production has gone up. Uh, he's gotten older here. Had it started on, seemed to remember having a really good end of the season last year and just carried that over this year and just really showed growth. And I think that's, that's something you always look for in a lot of these guys. It's just, you know, year over year that, you know, that they're growing, they're developing, they're improving. And he's obviously, he's certainly improved here uh, even since last summer to a big extent. Yeah, I mean, we all know Kamloops is stacked, but he's uh, really upped his game. A lot of three, four point nights, just uh, winning draws. Uh, some nights are tougher than others on his draws, but it seems most nights he, he does pretty decent. Um, worked his ass off, made Team Canada. Just when I've watched him, I, he's been noticeable out on the ice, just uh, distributing the puck and just kind of a fun player to watch on that Kamloops team, even though they have Stan Coven and all these other guys. But, uh, yeah, he's making uh, his footprint on that team, too. Such a soft player from BC. <laughs> he's the exception to the rule. Great, great I mean, name. Great hockey name. Gotta love it. Oh, yeah. No, 
I mean, when him and Stankoven connect on a goal, it's the Stank and Banky. Like, you got to like, nah. like, <laughs> next question. Nice. Um, next question. <laughs> but this this kid, man, like, he's a completely, like, he was solid last year. Like, he played very well. At the end of the year last year, he was on, like, a 14-game point streak. Played really well in the playoffs for him. Um, but this year, he's just a completely different player. Like, significantly more assertive. Like, you know, last year we talked about – you know, he was the stereotypical, like, most low-maintenance player that you could ask for as a coach. Like, hey, like, I need this done. Uh, bank here, go. And he was like, okay. Then he would just go do it. And it was, like, subtle but very effective. Decent points. Almost a point per game. A lot of that had to do with, like, the last 15 games or so of the year last year. But this year, he's just, like, you know, they didn't have Stank going for the first couple. And he was kind of like, all right, I'll take the reins. I think he had like 12 goals in his first 10 games. And not just like tap ins where like someone else is doing oh, like some work. highlight like, real stuff in it, like spin moves and escapes. He and... scored three spinoramas. One of them was yeah. a shorthanded goal. Like it was insane. Like, so he's scoring in a variety of ways. The shots completely evolved where it's a legitimate weapon. Like he's coming off the circle on the power play and just ripping it shelf. Um, the playmaking's there. Defensively, he's solid. Like, he's just an all-around stud. And he's doing it whether he's playing on a line with Stankoven, whether he's on the second line with, like, a Fraser Mitten, Matthew Semenov. Like, they're using him all over. And, again, first power play, first penalty kill. Games that are late and close, he's the first guy over the boards. Like, he's an incredibly effective player for them. And, again, like, you know, it was just impressive that he made that World Juniors team, given the profile players that like were on that team and some of the guys that got cut. But he had to figure out a way to just get on the ice and play actual minutes for that team. And he figured out a way where it's like, all right, I'm in Cam Loops. I'm a top six guy. I'm the go-to guy offensively along with Logan Stankoven. Well, on this team, I obviously cannot do that. How can I stick? So he won face-offs. He was on their first PK. Um, and he found a way that, like, he may have only had one point in those seven games, the World Juniors, but, like, probably because I was specifically looking for him, I noticed him every time he was out there. And yeah. he made himself incredibly useful. He made himself an important part of that team, and I think that's just impressive in and of itself, where, you know, the last couple of games there, they stick Fantilli on the fourth line, and that's where Fantilli finally comes along, like, comes on, like comes into his own, playing on the fourth line alongside a kid like Caden Bankier. And, like, last year, guys like Carson Lambos and O'Rourke did make Team Canada. Lambos got scratched in every fucking game other than one. Uh, O'Rourke barely played. But Bankier found a way to make himself play right around 10 minutes every game and play an incredibly important role for a gold medal winning team. So he's just, like, the skating, too. Like, that's taken a big step. Again, like, there's a kid that grew four inches when he turned, like, 16. So, like, that's just going to completely change your game, too. And he's just kind of adapted along, along with that. So it's a kid that's adapted to, like, the player that he is, his surroundings, and now he's just kind of taking a step where, like, no, I can be the guy if you need me to. Like, I can be the go-to guy. And it's just, like, incredibly impressive to watch. And every game I watch from Cam Luke's, like, he's literally just him and Stankover, the go-to guys. And Stankover, again, he's got the profile of, like, a high-end elite prospect there. Obviously, like, player of the year last year, 100 points. But, again, a lot of times, Bank here is the one centering his line, and he's a lot of times, like, the straw that stirs the drink. So he's just been a beast and it's just like a very fun to watch. And it's kind of just like an interesting case study of like scouting, like, all right, I see what this kid is when he's 16, 17, how, what's he going to look like when he's 21, 22, 23. And you're kind of seeing the evolution there at bank here. So 
he's just been a complete stud this year and definitely will will be uh interesting to track the next couple of years and, and when he finally you know gets to iowa and, and how long it takes him from to to crack the nhl lineup but he's just been a complete stud this year a completely different player it's awesome to watch yeah, and I think you look at, you know, some of the guys who have carved out roles to themselves with the Minnesota Wild, whether it's been Freddie Goudreau or Brandon Duhame or Connor Dewar. It's, I, I see a lot of similar traits in those types of players that I see in Banker and, you know, guys that are maybe top players in their junior teams or in the AHL, wherever it's been, they come in, they adapt. They're guys that aren't going to complain where they're playing in the lineup. They're going to go out, bust their ass every shift and be adaptable to different roles. Um, and I think if he can continue to do that, I think he's going to find, you know, himself well-liked. You know, it seems it's a type of player that both Bill Guerin and especially Dean Evison seem to covet. So, um, again, I just I, I don't think he's, you know, NHL-ready coming out of juniors, but I think a guy that they're probably pretty excited um, to get into Iowa and start working into the fold and seeing, you know, could this potentially be a, a middle six guy for this team um, down the line. But um, definitely really cool to see his his growth this year and I think just getting rewarded with that. Um, that spot on Team Canada was icing on the cake, and who knows, maybe a Memorial Cup um, is is next in his collection to that gold medal he just won as well. All right, and then the final player um, that we will hit on here, and I think this is a guy that we predicted that we'd be talking about on this show when we talked him over the summer, um, and that's Servak Petrovsky, um, currently playing with the Owen Sound Attack in the OHL. Uh, 18 goals, 20 assists, 38 points um, in 39 games, so nearly a point-per-game player. Um, was a really big piece of a nearly um, Cinderella story Slovakia team at the World Juniors. Two goals and an assist in five games for him. He nearly had a goal, um, I believe, in overtime against Canada. Um, just couldn't get it past the outstretch pad um, <clears throat> of the Canada goaltender there in, in the waning minutes of overtime. Um, but he had a great tournament there, was heavily leaned on by that team. Um, and I think has really done what we expected him to, and that's, you know, continue to produce and be, you know, kind of one of the go-to guys for an Owen team. Um, and all that is one of the, I think, probably the youngest player in the Wild system. Um, still just 18 years old, will not be 19 until August. So, I mean, this is a kid who still has, you know, two, three, four more years of development, um, and he's already looking like he has a lot of the tools to potentially be um, a legitimate NHL prospect. Um, <clears throat> was previously... Um, in our rankings, right near the bottom, he came in at 19, um, has now jumped up, um, is ranked between 13 and 15 by all of us, um, comes in 15 overall, so up four spots um, from his summer ranking. So what we expected, but I think that's great when you have big expectations for a prospect and he lives up to those expectations and then maybe that, and then maybe some uh, more on top of that. Yeah, I mean, he was a, another fun player to watch, the World Juniors, but uh, almost – capped off his fourth hat-trick of the season uh, in that World Junior Tournament between the OHL and the World Juniors. Just a really solid season. And uh, I'd also like to add, uh, a lot of nights, his face-off numbers are really good. Like, winning, like, 75% of his draws. Um, like you said, one of the younger players, so uh, a lot to room to improve off that even. But uh, good, good early signs from him at such a young age. Yeah, being the simpleton here, the the World Juniors, he was the one guy that, like, you know, exclude Connor Bedard from this conversation, but, like, he was the guy that every time he stepped on the ice, I noticed him. Yep, exactly. Like, he wasn't necessarily scoring goals, but he was making something happen or making some kind of play. And, like, yeah, you said he scored two goals, almost had that one against Canada. He had a ton of close calls where he was almost scoring. 
I just loved how he was buzzing and what he was able to generate. And I know like spoke Z's rule of thumb is you should probably put like a 70 to 80% weight on world juniors for where a player gets drafted. So I, I put a lot of stock into that. They were such a fun team, Slovakia too. Like, yeah. They surprised a lot of people, I think. Especially like there's no like, you know, a lot of teams had this, you know, really high end, high draft pick. Um, and, you know, outside of Simon Nemec, um, Nemec, uh, they didn't really have a lot of that high end talent, but a team that just seemed to kind of bring it all together. Um, and then some really good goaltending too from um, Adam Gajan. Gajan, is that? Boy, believe Future Yumbi Bulldog, by yeah, the way, he's going committed to, to, to Yumbi. Next year, so, um, you know, just a team that was working together really well, and Petrovsky, no, no small part of that team either. I will say, though, saying that, like, he almost scored on Canada's goalie, he's not really saying much. Canada's goalie sucked. <laughs> I heard that he's, like, the best goalie prospect ever now. I don't know. I don't know, man. Whoever was, like, on the NHL Network's panel was just buttering this goalie. Like, I was killing myself laughing. I'm like, is this guy watching, like, the same tournament like what the fuck <laughs> you had one good game the gold medal game there we go all that counts <laughs> um i love petrovsky like again he's another kid that very good defensively the offense this year is taking a big leap uh you know last year he obviously didn't put up tons and tons of points but you know, the goals they did score, a lot of those just have rock at one timer. But along with that, he's got really high-end skill. He's a good skater, like I said. Defensively, he's solid. So just an effective three-zone player. Plays center, plays wing. Like, um, you know, any role you need him to play, he can fill. Again, it's just the thing where he's kind of fitting in right in the middle of that Minnesota Wild pool. So he might, um, you know, if he's going to have trouble, you know, cracking a Minnesota, it's just because they have so many similar profile guys. But... He's on this team in Owen Sound that's got another very fun kid in uh, Colby Barlow who's about to go very high in the NHL draft. And a lot of times, you know, Petrovsky's the one doing a lot of the hard work on that team. So um, been a little bit quiet since probably, I think he had like a solid two games back from the World Junior since then. I think he's got like maybe two points, but um, they've been on a little bit of a dip too. But Petrovsky's awesome. Again, I can't, it blows my mind that he fell all the way to 185 um in the draft considering he was probably one of the better more like well-rounded centers in that draft this past summer so um again probably a pretty good steal from uh judd brackett and um you know when he, again it's another kid that when he's on he is electric he's already got three hat tricks this year and like those hat tricks they are like not empty netters like they are some sick goals but um again using every situation I'm um, on a team that's hoping to uh, make the playoffs here and, and make a little bit of a run in the OHL, but um, he's just another kid. He's just been a stud this season. It's really fun to watch. So um, definitely another one to keep uh, tabs on as we move forward here. Yeah, came out of the World Juniors on a six-game point streak, and since then, um, in the next six games, just the lone assist in that stretch. But um, all games they're winning, um, and he's been a plus or better player in all but one of those two. So um, still looking the part nonetheless. Any final thoughts there on uh, Petrovsky? All right. Well, that kind of covers our biggest risers, fallers. Quick recap. Uh, the fallers for us, um, Ryan O'Rourke, Mikey Milne, Sam Hentges, 
Pavel Novak, Ryan Healy, Rigo Lorenz, and our biggest risers, no particular order here, Murat Husnadinov, Sammy Walker, Caden Bankier, Servak Petrovsky, Kyle Masters, and David Spacek. And then we'd be remiss if we didn't just discuss um, a couple players at the top of this pool, given that it is a prospect show. Um, so we'll talk a little bit here very quickly, briefly, um, about um, the top three in our consensus rankings, and that's Jesper Wallstedt, excuse me, Jesper Wallstedt, I'll, I'll, I'll adjust it eventually, uh, Marco Rossi, and then Brock Faber. I think we can start with Marco Rossi, who obviously continues to be on his AHL bender that he's on, six-game point streak. Um, I believe he extended that to last night, nine points in that span, um, really seeming to come into his own, taking over some shifts in Iowa. Um, dropped just one spot for us. Um, Jesper Wallstadt has passed him. Um, but Rossi now, you know, still a, a top-end prospect for this team. Maybe didn't quite hit the beginning of the season as we had hoped, um, but still looking like a very, very key piece um, of this team. Um, maybe not this year, I think, but for sure next year um, and the years to follow. I mean, he's no first off, but he's pretty good. <laughs> Wait, are we talking about Wallstead or Rossi? Rossi. I mean, no, everyone's just got to calm down and be patient, right? Yeah, agreed. Like, mm-hmm. look at yeah. all the great centers. They usually don't just pop in their first year, especially after having a year off because you almost fucking died. Like, <laughs> yeah, one thing know. that we always emphasize in this show is development isn't linear. Um, Obviously, very different player types, but I, you know, we brought up the name Tage Thompson a couple times. You know, a guy that was, you know, similar to Rossi, a first round pick, took him, I think, till he was 24 to really start popping off. And now he's, you know, one of the best goal scorers in the league. Not saying that's who Rossi's going to turn into, but more of the cases is a first round pick who maybe took two, three more years longer than the typical prospect to find his footing. But um, like you said, you just got to be patient. These guys will hit. The, the skills are a talent there. And I think you're really starting to see that confidence. Um, building as he kind of continues to rattle off points here in Iowa. Yeah, and, you know, he's having a good season down there, uh, getting power play minutes, obviously top power play, 11 of his 25 points are on the power play. Um, on that, Playing on a line with Walker and, and Beckman, I believe, just, you know, looking really good. Uh, a lot of nice plays he's made. Uh, I'm just losing train of thought, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> no, um <laughs> It's been a late, long day. Anyways, he's, he's you know, gaining that confidence back down there. And uh, like we said, just be patient because he's going to be a good player. You can, you know, see the flashes. And, and especially lately with Iowa, he's he's really played well. I think there's something to be said, too, for, you know, look good, feel good, wheel good. Like, right. do we have to make the Wheat jersey a fixture in the Minnesota Wild uni game? I, some Some are clamoring for it, at least one. Uh, I've seen be, him. That would be me. <laughs> oh, okay. Then at least two. <laughs> I would love a wheat jersey. I'm obsessed with that jersey, and I need it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other so, yeah. thoughts on Rossi? Uh, I mean, like, the thing with him, too, after probably his first five, six, seven games down there, since then, he, like you said, he's just been on a complete tear and pretty much doing exactly – what Bill Guerin and co like said they needed him to do down there where he's not just on the periphery getting power play goals, you know, scoring from the outside using his shot. Like 
he is working his bag off, like bagging or uh, just bodying a lot of fucking like defensemen. Right? Six five six six, like battling for uh, net front position, getting tips, like, and along with that, like, since he's been thrown on a line with Beckman, Beckman's game has also drastically improved. Where he's scoring again, I think he's got wow, 14 crazy! Goals you put Beckham with an offensive-minded forward, he produces. <laughs> yeah, That's weird. Yeah, no, yeah, he has no, like six goals in his last nine games or something. Yeah, it's weird when you don't put him with fucking Cody McLeod and Brandon Baddock and then send him home in the summer to go shoot pucks in his fucking driveway. I, I still cannot believe that was his fucking exit meeting. Anyways, um, but he's, he's honestly just doing the exact thing that they told him they needed him to do. So, you know, I'm more than happy and comfortable with him if it's just like, hey, you know what, like just – finish out this year on the tear in Iowa and you know we'll see what happens we'll call ups as the year progresses cuz obviously Minnesota is in dire need of some offense and someone to play center right now but I don't necessarily know if the answer would be Marco Rossi as good as he's playing right now so it kind of seems like he's just like really enjoying himself obviously he's not necessarily in as much of the spotlight as he was in Minnesota <clears throat> there's not as much pressure but um you know, he's like, again, what did Bill Guerin say? He wants to see a little bit more fuck you in his game. And that's absolutely been there every single time I've watched Iowa the last like two months. So, um, again, just going really well at this point. And, um, you know, the points are there. Um, and pretty much, like I said, like everything that they said they wanted to see out of him in Iowa, you're seeing it on a shift by shift basis. So it's been a very positive, um, you know, little bit here in Iowa for Rossi and, Again, if he stays down there for the rest of the year, I think that's that's fine. Yeah, and that's something we discussed last week. If you know, do you just keep you know, do you let let him cook and continue to build on that momentum there? Do you call him up? Um, and ultimately, I think we said they could if they absolutely feel the need to. Um, but we have no issue with him continuing to to be down there and be successful and build that confidence. Um, the next player we'll talk about our new consensus um, number one prospect in the system. Um, hopefully the goaltender of the future, and that is Jesper Volstead, and that could be a little bit of recency bias as we do the rankings, but um, as it stands, he is currently one, one, two, seven in a row. Yeah, seven, seven games in a row, has not given up more than two goals in any of those games, um, has given up one or fewer in five of those games, um, a shutout in one of those games against Grand Rapids, who I believe is, is that Detroit system, who is, has a pretty yeah. good system of young players in that group um but it's everything that you know we i think one thing we talked about when we did this in the summer is you know he he did it in europe we just want to see it translate to north america started the season a little bit rocky had some you know hadn't given up fewer than uh two goals um, outside of one game um and now he's done it in five of the last seven um so really seeming to find his own here really starting to pick it up seems like he's finally adjusting North American style of play. Um, and every game, you know, it's seemingly at the Wild, Iowa Wild give up a ton. It's McIntyre in that every game they're not getting up a ton and winning. Um, it's Volstead that, that's doing the heavy lifting. So um, hopefully this continues. Um, I mean, this streak might be slightly unsustainable, but just been an incredible stretch um, that he's been on. So much it pushed Justin to the point where he had to, he had to pay to start watching this kid. <laughs> That and I can finally afford it after taxes came because my kids take all my money and their <laughs> hockey and everything. <laughs> uh, you know, I I don't have much to add to that. It's just great to see him uh, continue to develop his North American game. And you know, we saw this with him over in Sweden. He was one of the 
uh, top goals against average players last year, and he's you know 1.14 goals against average the last seven games. Yeah, it's a small sample size, but uh, you're seeing him get more comfortable and just I don't know if it's more goal support or what. I, I'm finally starting Iowa, starting to watch Iowa. Like I said, I can finally afford it, but no, I, I'm just happy to see his game develop. I'm guessing I'm the only one that didn't set him at one. Um. No, Isha had him at three as well. Oh, well, that means I'm wrong. Damn it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love him. I'm super excited about him. I just look at guys like Rossi and Faber, who I think mm-hmm. are pretty much locks to be fixtures in the wild lineup, whereas, like, Volstead's great. Goalies are voodoo, man. I don't it's care true, about man. AHL Goal production. Like, he could absolutely go to the NHL, and it could go totally different. I don't expect that, but... I just look at Rossi and Faber, and they are guys that I see being staples. I don't have any questions about them being able to make it work. That's why I put them ahead. That's totally fair. I think he's been my number one prospect probably <laughs> since he got drafted. Like, I, I haven't really no, no, since that. the trade. Since the trade. <laughs> yeah, since the, the trade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfucking believable. By the you, way. you were the lone, the lone person of us, uh, us six to have him at one um, coming in. Out of going to the summer show, so <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, you know, we can talk about, you know, if you want to say he had a rough start, you know, like his first three games, he lost two in the shootout and one in overtime, and yeah. the overtime loss was I described this shift before on several podcasts. I that's the dumbest overtime shift I've ever seen, where he gets slide tackled <laughs> by his own forward. Finally recovers after 30 seconds. Then someone else slides 18 feet into the post, knocks it off for a penalty shot. They score the penalty shot. Like, so those were his first three fucking games in the AHL. Then he gets hurt. And, like, the next 10, I watched game. I had to stop watching Iowa for a little bit just because I was just consistently watching their defense puke all over themselves. And only when he was a net and it was legitimately driving me insane. Um but I mean, all in all, like he's been for what he's had in front of him, he's been pretty good all year. And then the last like ten games, or so he's just been on this tear where, um, you know, here and there you'll see the odd highlight real save. But again, like a lot of the things that make him so good are the hockey IQ, how well he moves in his crease, and how well he reads the play. So generally speaking, he's in a position to make a save before the shots even come, or even before the puck goes to the guy that's going to be shooting. So, um. It's like He's the just polar opposite of Flurry, and I think stylistically a very legitimately similar kind of, the exact opposite. Yeah, but, but more similar, I think, to what we're but seeing Flurry's out of Flurry's the perfect uh, guy to teach him in, right? No, I it's think... always that always makes me laugh, dude. I'm always like, <laughs> "Fuck, I hope he's not going to be like teaching him anything." <laughs> if anyone should be Gustafson, I think you know, I think yeah. stylistically they play pretty similar in terms of, you know, do they have athleticism? Yes, but I think Gustafson even in midi is like, I'm not going to be able to to flop across the crease and do the splits and make a glove save like Flurry. For me, it's all about being in the right position, focusing on my angles, being very technical <coughs> in the way he approaches goaltending. And I see a lot of similarities with, with the way Volstep plays too. And just being in the right spots, like as you mentioned, anticipating the plays, not needing to, you know, necessarily flop around like a fish, as exciting as that can be when it works out. Um, but you know, I think it, it brings a calmness um to the defense in front of you too when you you know there's not gonna be a huge rebound. Your goalie may not be scrambling. Um no shot at flurry. It's just it it's it, different things work for different goalies, um, but I think too it just a lot of those things. I think just the way the wild defense I think prefers to play, 
Um, I think it's what we saw t- make Talbot successful down the stretch last year. I think it's what's helped make Gustafson successful. It's what helped, um, you know, other other goalies in the past too, who maybe aren't, you know, these acrobatic goaltenders, more positional. Um, it seems to work with this system. Yeah, I think Wallstead too, just like his puck game. I mean, obviously he literally has scored a goal. So like that is naturally <laughs> going to like stand out. But like, I think even just like his puck play has actually taken a step too. not like where he's going to be um, like Mike Smith and actually try to play every single puck that's anywhere in the same <laughs> zip code as him. He's going to like leave his crease, go get it and like try to fire off this like stretch pass. But like he's act, he's definitely like taking a step versus and a lot of that's just like adjusting to the North American ice where, you know, again, there was definitely adjustment period there. I thought he adjusted pretty quick, but you know, he is making the right decisions and when to come out and like either just play the puck for his defenseman, stop it, like whatever. Um, so I think I've even just seen strides in that part of his game as well. And again, like at this point, I think after the first 10 games, he had like an 888 save percentage. He's back up to like right around a 915. Um, he's around two and a half goals against average in front of this shit ass defense on nights. Um, so again, I think he's just like, He's just such studded. And I think obviously he's not going to go like average, like a 7 0 and 1 pace the rest of the year, but like pretty close. Like, this is a kid, like, he is that good. Like, he is an absolute stud. That's why they drafted him. That's why they traded up to go get him to make sure that no one else could. Um, great trade, Edmonton. Good call on Xavier Bogo and a kid that fuck, fucking Germany that goes to UVM. Good call for sure. Um, but again, this is why he's been my number one prospect forever. Like, I think the world of this kid. Um, and I think it's ultimately, especially in front of the, the, the defensive, um, you know, the guys on D that are going to be in front of him for the rest of his career. Like, I don't, I just don't see a path where he doesn't end up succeeding and becoming a very good goaltender in the National Hockey League. So, um, I love Jesper Wallstedt and he's, that's why he's my number one guy. All right. And then the last player we'll talk about, um, is Brock Faber. Um, we, you know, weren't watching as much tape on him at the time of recording last year. You know, obviously a late season trade where they bring him in, um, and <clears throat> the Kevin Fiala deal. So, you know, not a lot of tape. We, you know, we, those of us that watched a gopher game here and there knew a little bit about him, I think. But now that we've had a, a full season or half a season now to kind of keep a closer eye on him, um, comes in pretty universal across our board. Four of us ranking him at three, um, Isha and Hoppy at two. Um, I, you know, honestly wouldn't be opposed to putting them either. Hoppy, for a lot of the reasons you said, it's just there's really nothing about his game for me that really says this guy won't be a successful player in the NHL. Um, obviously, like the writing is on the wall with Matt Dumba, um, and a big piece of that, you know, we used to think it seemed maybe it was Kalen Addison um, that was going to fill that spot. Now it seems potentially that could be Brock Faber's spot. Hold your um, tongue. Hey, I don't say I'm not saying I agree with it. It's just what it sounds like. Um, still a young player, 20 years old, having a really good year on an absolutely loaded um, Minnesota Gopher team who, you know, has a chance to, you know, potentially play in the in the Frozen Four, um, make a national championship run. Um, probably one of the best forward lines in hockey um, on that squad, and he's been a big part of that back end, playing in all the situations. Um, someone that is potentially going to play minutes for this team at the end of the year, potentially into the playoffs. Is he a full-time player next year? I think that's to be determined, and I think he'll have that opportunity, but he has to earn it. Um, but, you know, really, you know, that, that Kevin Fiala trade continues to look great with what we've seen out of year off and especially what we're seeing out of out of Faber and, and someone who should potentially be a very quality top-four defenseman for this organization, likely for a very long time. Yeah, he's literally the only reason I watch the Gophers. Um, 
little dogs fan here, but no, I was at the game last Saturday and just trying to pay attention to him, uh, key in on him. And he's just from the games I've watched, he's so solid. He's such a good skater. He's, he's good at, at breaking the puck out and he just knows when to jump into the play and kind of take over an offense and then when to get back on defense, just well-rounded game, uh, fun to watch. And, uh, Plus, he was awesome with my son after the game uh, at an autograph session. So he is for the kids. Awesome, awesome kid. Uh, Just exciting to watch. The offense is taking a jump, too. Like, yeah, um, I think he's already got more points than he did, like by a wide margin than he did last year. Three goals, 17 assists, 20 points in 28 games. Um, Previously in his college career, had three goals total the last two seasons. Um, and had 11 assists in 20, 2020, 2021, 12 last year. So, yeah, eclipsing a lot of those marks. Um, don't know what his pace is. There's what, about a, three weeks left of the regular season before playoffs start. But, yeah, three or four, I think. Yeah, I mean, career highs across the board, which is great. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the offense was something we were hoping we'd see a little more of and, you know, probably helps when you are when you have, you know, you can just pass it to Logan Cooley or Matty and I's, and they might take it the length of the ice and score, but, um, you know, you look at some Snuggerud. of the pieces. Are, are you intentionally leaving Snuggerud out because you no. kind of wanted them to take <laughs> him instead of Ugrin? No, no, no. I just It, it escaped like me who, who the third guy was. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't think that's a bad thing because you look at, you know, the, the players the Wild have now with your Kaprizovs, your Boldies, the players they have coming. If you have a guy who can be mobile, move the puck to those skilled players, that's, sometimes that's all you need. Look at a guy like Jonas Brodeen, right, who – doesn't have to be the most offensively gifted player in the world, but if he can break a puck out and defend a rush, um, makes you an awfully effective defenseman. Yeah, and like with Faber, the defense has never been a question whatsoever. No. So it's just like how much offense is there. And like this year, I just every time I watch him, it seems like he's trying a little bit more offensively. Not like from an effort standpoint, but just like trying more things, like more, you know, staying on the puck a little bit longer instead of just trying to make this simple play, whether that's like a dump it or like putting it in the corner, go for a change, whatever. But he's like becoming a little bit more of an actual piece of their offense uh, from the blue line, which is very encouraging because that obviously just adds a dimension to his game when he does ultimately make it to the NHL. But, like, he's just such a stud. Like, just does everything incredibly well. Um, And, I mean, what we're seeing this year, I'm sure, is pretty much what we expected, plus a little bit of bump in offense. So, again, he's right at the top of the defenseman prospect rankings, obviously, like, probably by a fair margin. Um, and a kid that won't take too long to be ready for the NHL. It would very much make me nervous, I'll be honest, if they're like if they're playing at the deadline in playoffs is yeah, well Faber is gonna be here. Like I think that's like borderline insanity if you really want to go for a cup. But um do I think it's out of the question that he could be ready? No. But I just think it's very risky and yeah. I don't think they'll play every night, but it wouldn't surprise me if you wanna get he'll get games. Yeah, if they'll you want to give a Merrill a yeah. night off or you know, if yeah, um, exactly. someone gets hurt or something you have Addison and Faber does things for me. Moving a little bit. <laughs> like I'm basically, just the, doing all like this game is when Isha's watching his wrestling videos. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> brings good size to table too. He's six one, two hundred one. So something very often discussed about the Wilds' right side is that they're a little bit smaller. Faber doesn't quite, you know, while he's not a giant by any means, definitely brings more of that beef and stuff that they're allegedly well, crazy. offense, of man. Right like, side, he's a but... step ahead. Like, then, then, I mean, what, the point that Z brought up was is like so true. Like, he's not just making the simple plays and, and playing like just solid defense. Like, 
he'll he'll be the brains behind like the crazy play that ensues where you know Cooley and Snuggerud or whatever they'll they'll get credit for, credit for it because it's flashy. But like first or second assist, I mean, take that out of the equation. Just look how the play is set up. This guy's like thinking two steps ahead. And yes, he has the tools to be able to do it in those guys uh, up front for the Gophers. But like, it, it's been it's been awesome watching him play this year. Like, and I've been watching a lot more college hockey now that I'm in the states. And like, the kid's an absolute stud. And man, swagger as well on and off the ice. You know, good with the community, it seems like, like you know, Justin said. So, I mean, yeah, this is an exciting player to have in the system if you're a Wild fan. Absolutely. Um, and then if you're just curious who kind of rounds out our top 10, so I'll just go down the top 10 here. We have Volstead, Rossi, Faber is the top three, Murat Huzadinov, who we touched on, Danilo Yurov, Liam Ugrin, um, the next two, and then rounded out uh, with Carson Lambeau, Sammy Walker, Adam Beckman, and then Jack Peart. Um, and then a the other players we didn't talk about that are in the list, Hunter Hate, Damon Hunt, um, and I think everyone else was talked about in one way or another. So basically those guys, Lambos, Ugrin, Yurov, Beckman, Pert, Hate, Hunt, um, not a ton has changed for us one way or the other that we think much differently um, than where we did beginning of the year. Hunter Hate was the one I was curious to see if he had moved much. Um, I think had we done this episode like two months ago before he got traded – uh, a lot different, but it's really seeming to explode. So uh, he pretty much stayed the same. But um, that pretty much rounds out our list. We'll have graphics up on Instagram, Twitter. Um, we can look at this list, see the changes on there. Um, but any kind of final thoughts on any of these guys we talked about today here, fellas, before we uh, before we wrap this up? Oh, I mean, just a guy we didn't talk about, Uger, and I hope. I'm glad his injury wasn't more long-term than it was. He's going to be out just a few weeks. He was really starting to churn um, in hockey Al's fence skin. But uh He's another guy that's it's been exciting to see his his season progress. It's probably a good thing we didn't talk about him because I had nothing good to say. <laughs> <laughs> on the flip side too, I think everyone just needs to calm down on Carson Lambos. Like yeah, not great that he didn't make Team Canada, but like in the grand scheme of things, who gives a shit? Yeah. Um I think even still in the latest article released by Joe Smith, like he is firmly planted as the like top defensive prospect right behind Faber. And for me, he has the most upside. Like he is the only defenseman that I can see maybe working up to that, like two or three spot. Doesn't mean he'll get there, but he has that kind of potential. I think. Yeah. I wouldn't dispute that. Mm -hmm. He's playing like 28 minutes a night. Like he's just eating fucking only minutes. it's unreal. It, I mean, I told you, I tracked a game where I'm pretty sure he played 36. <laughs> like, like this, he played, like, the last nine minutes of a game. I was, I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, how the fuck are you alive? Like, oh, my God. It's like Capri Sop before the Wild go on a break, comes off the ice. All right, you ready? Dude, go it's again. just so awesome. Can I just say before we wrap up? It's just so awesome that, like, the prospect pool for the Wild is so deep, especially on the back end, because, A, like, you got lottery tickets left, right, and center, and B, you have so much value if you want to move them for a roster play, especially navigating through the final years of this. He wants them going to Vancouver. <laughs> yes, let's go, baby. <laughs> Any one of these defensive prospects, please send them to Vancouver. I wouldn't wish Anyone. that on my worst enemy right now, though. I will take any single one. Thank you very much. Yeah, so this isn't about the Vancouver Canucks, but like, how the fuck are people shitting on the Horvat return? I just want to know, like, if anyone's hopping, hopping, are talking about that next. <laughs> <laughs> Tune into the Soda Pod this week to find out.
Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let you know tomorrow turn. or today, I guess, if yeah. this is dropping the same day. Yeah. So fucking Islanders. All star break this weekend. Skills, I believe, Friday game Saturday, and then the Wild, I think, are right back at it on Monday. Um, Tuesday, against- I think. Monday or Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday mm-hmm. against the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona. So, uh, yeah, so enjoy that. Uh, hopefully this gives you some content to hold you over until then. I'm sure Russo will have something. No, Monday. And it's Monday. So that's what I thought. Yeah, it's Monday. Um, Soda Pod guys have episode coming. Wednesday. Sounds like tomorrow. Um, but we'll give you guys a chance here. Uh, Isha Hoppy spoke Z to uh, plug anything the Soda Pod is coming up or anything individually um, coming up for you guys as well here before we, uh, before we wrap up. Pretty I yield much, my time to Isha. Pretty much five days a week, uh, barring sometimes we take Wednesday off. <laughs> but pretty much five days a week, we have episodes dropping on the Soda Pod. Monday, it's uh, Hoppy and I. Uh, Tuesday, we got our boy Joel Geyer from the Brewery Travels talking about craft beer all over the United States. Um, like I said, Wednesday, sometimes Hoppy and I will fill that spot if we have an extra episode in that like special news drops around the NHL or Wild or if we have a guest. Uh, but usually we just reserve that day for Monday. Thursday, all things college hockey, MNCAA. And then Friday is the one, the only spoke Z on Judd's Buds. And sometimes. I'll be co-hosting with Z the next two weeks. So what's up, Z? Yeah, buddy. Let's go, baby. There's a new captain <laughs> so, uh, driving the ship. That's oh, right. Man. We got our new Dwight Schrute so down bad. below. <laughs> yeah, so it's gonna be a fun one but yeah if, uh there's there's a lot of content there on the soda pod a little something for everyone whether you're mostly a college fan nhl and wild hell if you're if you're in it for the craft beer or uh, the minnesota wild prospects we got something for you like i said four or five days a week on that podcast you can find it wherever you get your podcast and if you dig my vibe you can hit, hit up my youtube channel the city life project awesome. and or, i mean the soda pod's youtube channel is all right too but <laughs> subscribe to the city life project yeah great stuff always appreciative of mm-hmm. our friends at soda pod for joining us if you are not subscribed and listening to their shows do it they're great um always funny always have a great time great insight um and all things wild beer um anything else i mean what else could you want besides wild beer thc seltzers these days boys god damn yeah <laughs> i'm buzzing let's go <laughs> uh all right so uh fellows why don't you remind all of our listeners uh where they can follow you and find your work Spokesy, we can start with you. Yeah, same shit as always. Spokesy on Twitter. Hopefully the Fridays on the soda pot unless I die, which has happened a few times. Uh, but that's it. That's where you'll find me. I'll probably just be posting my stupid ass videos of uh, prospects Wait, who do you write for, for the again? wild. And, who do you write uh, for again? Smart scouting. You're not pronouncing it correctly. Yes, I am, you fuck. <laughs> he works for a smart hockey league. 2023 NHL draft prospects covering a smart scouting. Awesome. With Josh Tesler. What a beauty. Sweet. Isha. Uh, the CLA Project, the Soda Pod. Check those out. And That's on it. Twitter. Where can they find you? I'm not that interesting, but at VI Sports Talk. <laughs> and Hoppy. At State of Hoppy. Easy, simple. Justin, where can everyone find you and all your prospect work? Uh, you can find me at DE2004. You can find me at Caprice FC with Caprice Sub Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke. Yeah, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at ZekeBoy with capital Z and a capital B. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh. 
92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. All star game skills competition. Go watch Kirill um, be awesome uh, down in South Florida. Uh, Wild back in action on Monday against the Coyotes. We will be back sometime next week, date to be determined, maybe Thursday. Um, with to break down probably the games coming out of the break, Curls All Star performance, all that good stuff. But until then, uh, this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn. And one final thank you to our friends at the Soda Pod, Isha, Spokesy, and Hoppy for joining us. And a big shout out to all of our listeners for supporting the show, getting us to episode 100. We appreciate y'all. We'll see you next time.